You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 412, The Superboy Chronicles, The Secret of the Superpower Failures. And welcome to episode 412 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, once again, solo lad. It's con season. And uh, actually, yesterday, everyone was at a con. Well, almost everyone. Um, uh, actually, even I was at a con. So uh, Darren was, of course, at Dragon Con. We'll hear more about that next week as well. Uh, Scott was at um, Fan Expo. And I actually joined him for the last couple of hours of it. And... Uh, and got to hang out with uh, with Scott, with my kid, dressed as Supergirl, and she made a fine Supergirl, and our friend Alan Bow as well. And so we wandered the con and uh, and and caught all kinds of stuff, and actually managed to get a couple of uh, I managed to get a couple of back issues and um, various and sundry. And uh, so yeah, so anyway, so much uh, good time. We'll we'll actually do do a little con breakdown next week. Uh, one other thing that I should mention is you can hear Darren and myself on Earth Station One's podcast, uh, they the ESO podcast, um, and I think you can follow a link from our site. If you can't yet, you will be able to very soon. Um, uh, anyway, Earth Station One podcast. Do a, do a search in the googly box for that, and uh, you can hear Darren and I talking about the Legion, because I know that's something you rarely get to see around around these parts. Well, I say that being that this will be the second uh, consecutive episode where I'm doing a, a Superboy issue, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so uh, surprisingly, out of out of these cons, don't have a whole lot of uh, of Legion news. Oh, wait, no, there is a piece. It was actually from the um, uh, Baltimore Comic Con panel, um, and someone did ask about the Legion. And um, at the DC Rebirth panel, I'm just going to see if I can pull that up. Um, but uh, basically, it's sort of sort of similar to what we've been hearing before about how they are hold they are holding off. It is in the offing, and uh, in fact, Andidio said that one of the people on the panel could be the one handling it. Now, among the people on the panel were uh, Paul Levitz, Keith Giffen. Tom King, that would be an interesting one because if you've uh, heard uh, one of our Super Show uh, episodes from a couple of years back, uh, he mentioned being a big Legion fan. Um, so you know that could that could always that could always be a possibility, or not. One never knows. But yes, so uh, here it is uh, from our friend Michael Grabaugh at the Legion Omnicom. Uh, the exact quote uh, from Baltimore. Another audience member asked when the Legion of Superheroes would return. The answer wasn't clear, but we were told that when it does, one of the writers on the panel could be writing it. Now, emphasis is could be, not will be. DC Comics co-publisher Dan DiDio hosted the panel consisting of Batman writer Tom King, Batgirl writer Hope Larson, Detective Comics writer James Tiny and the Fourth, Dr. Fate writer Paul Levitz, Blue Beetle and Scooby Apocalypse writer Keith Giffen. I'd like to just unpack that for a moment. 
Blue Beetle, and Scooby Apocalypse writer Keith Giffen. Love it. Uh, Action Comics writer Dan Jurgens and Wonder Woman Year One artist Yannick Paquette. <coughs> um, also talked uh, briefly about... Uh, uh, Didio asked Levitz and Giffen about their seminal Legion of Superheroes run. Levitz noted that he would write a script and see Giffen add things he never would have thought of and never could have into the story. It killed him, but he saw things done that stand the test of time. So that's uh, a little something about uh, sort of where, where the Legion stands, and that is, they don't stand anywhere yet. So, you know, eventually. Eventually, and hopefully when it is being done. Right. All right. So uh, so that is that part of things. Uh, let's head over to, well, let's get in the Wayback Machine. And uh, and we're going to head back. Now, th th this is kind of interesting. I'm, I mentioned last week at, at first that I thought that the story I was reading then was part one of a two-parter. It wasn't. However, the next issue was part one of a two-parter. And it's probably going to be a little while before I do another one of these Superboy episodes. So it would really suck to have it be a two-parter. But then it was pointed out to me by our friend Thomas Lanise from the Parliament of Rooks podcast uh, that um, I had missed issue five. And uh, it seems I, I wasn't really looking at the issue numbers as I went through. I was just kind of picking the next one in the box. And so, yes, um, Superboy, the new, new Adventures of Superboy number five was missed. So... Today, I'm going to remedy that. And then the next time that I do one of these Superboy Chronicles, I'll do uh, the next those next two issues, which are a two-parter and, uh, and a very good one at that. Uh, so this one, uh, Superboy number five, cover date May of 1980. And uh, this one on the cover uh, has Superboy holding his cape. And um, and a, a UFO, uh, you know, firebombing it basically. And he says, "Did it? I deflected that deadly blast with my impenetrable cape. It it would be disastrous if those aliens found out I've lost my superpowers. What? How can this be? So uh, in uh, inside the cover, we have uh, the secret of the superpower failures. Writer Carrie Bates, penciler Kurt Schaffenberger, inker David Hunt." Letterer Ben Oda, colorist Jerry Serp, and editor Julius Schwartz. Uh, on the splash page, we see um, this spaceship zapping uh, Ma Kent's tomato plants. And uh, as Ma and Pa Kent look on from the window of the house, and Superboy said, uh, uh, flying toward this UFO saying, I don't get it. Why are these aliens beginning their invasion of Earth by destroying Ma's tomato plants? Yes, rocketed to Earth from the exploding planet Krypton. Baby kal was adopted by a kindly couple named Jonathan and Martha Kent. Renamed Clark, he grew to adolescence in Smallville, learning to use wisely the amazing superpowers that would one day make him the world's greatest hero. These are the adventures of Superman when he was Superboy. So there we go. Um, so we start out... Uh, with uh, at the Kent house, uh, getting ready for, for a day at school. And um, Ma says, you get another big juicy tomato in your uh, lunchbox today, Clark. I don't know who, I don't know what I did right this year, but they've never been redder or more delicious. And uh, so she puts this whole tomato in there. Now, not for nothing. Uh, not, I will admit, my kids, they're fussier eaters the most. 
But generally speaking, if I were to put a tomato in, I'm not putting in whole. You know, I don't even see a knife in here. I see like a thermos. And I see uh, uh, wrapped up sandwiches. And then the tomato gets dumped in. Eh, I'm going to say I got to slice that tomato up somewhat for the kids. You know, I'm not, I don't expect them to sit there and eat it like an apple. So that just seems odd to me. This is the thing I pick on. First panel in. Okay. So much I suspend belief uh, with regard to, and this is clearly not one of them. Um, so uh, Jonathan points out that, yes, it's supposed to be a very good year for crops, and uh, he says it almost makes him wish that they were back running the farm because, of course, at this point they have moved to Smallville and uh, he's running the general store. And Clark says that he thinks he'll skip breakfast today because eating lunch in school every day so his classmates won't get suspicious is one thing. But why should I have to eat in front of you two? After all, a superboy doesn't need food like other people. Um, this reminds me of his, uh, you know, I talked a little while back about his um, thing with, uh, you know, studying, you know, studying in front of other, you know, the whole studying thing. It's like, I don't need to do that. But then he learned that he did need to. And oh, I think he's going to get another such lesson. Uh, and he says, um, I bet I could go a whole year without taking a morsel. And Martha's not having it. She says, Clark Kent, you'll do no such thing. There's no telling what would happen if you stopped eating for any length of time. For all we know, your superpowers might start to fade away. And uh, Jonathan, of course, wisely follows, follows his wife's lead and says, Mother's right, Clark. There's so much about your powers that are still a mystery. Remember, we used to think nothing could hurt you until we discovered kryptonite. Then we learned that the sun's yellow color affects you. Who knows what surprises we might find out next. He says, okay, you made your point. I'm eating. See? And so that's our boy. Um, and so he's heading for school, and he's he says, might as well walk Lana to, Lana to school if she hasn't left yet. Next race scan will show if she's still at home. And so he peeks into the house and sees um, uh, do, uh, Dr. Lang uh, watching TV and uh, in, in a fine smoking jacket. And Clark's like, hmm, this looks like something ominous on TV. Better turn on my super hearing. And he hears, although the area at the foot of the erupting volcano has been evacuated, the recently unearthed ancient city of Bistia appears to be doomed to be buried a second time. And, uh, you know, Professor Lang is, is, uh, is like, great thunder, not Bistia. And yes, Clark says, Bestia, one of the greatest archaeological finds in years. No wonder Professor Lang's upset. It was his research team that dug up the ancient city. So um, Clark decides he's going to take a detour on the way to school. And he ducks behind the house and comes out the other side of it as Superboy. And uh, he says, Look like I, it looks like I'll have to take a detour on the way to school several thousand miles to South America. And off he goes. He gets to the northern tip of Chile, and he sees the ruins of the ancient Inca, Inca city and sees the uh, lava flow heading down. And he makes with the super breath and cools the molten lava to solid rock in a matter of seconds. And he says, so much for the problem's bottom line, but Bastia and the surrounding countryside won't be safe until I nip this crisis at the source. And, uh, and that he does. He, he shears off a, a, a piece of mountain, and uh, like a top of the peak of a mountain nearby and um, 
you know, using eye blurring speed and heat vision, uh, he grabs this little sort of, basically makes a big plug um, of tons of solid rock. And he says, here I am carrying tons of solid rock, and I'm not even breathing hard. Sometimes my super strength amazes even me. And, uh, and he looks over and he says, I wonder if there's any limit to how much I can. And he says, great sons, what's happening to me? And it's all he can do to, you know, he, he can barely hold on to the thing. Um, and uh, fortunately, it falls right in to plug the um, the the uh, volcano. But, however, you know, we see him tumbling out of the sky. He says, ugh, never got a chance to, f to fling that giant peak into the volcano. Luckily, it fell in as I was forced to drop it at the last moment. And he tumbles down, he's, uh, down the hill, down the mountain, and he says, don't know how or why, but my super strength and flying power suddenly cut out on me. Thank the stars for my invulnerability is it's still holding up. Otherwise, I'd be as dead as the city of Bastia. And it hits the ground with a terrific whomp. Um, slowly and steadily, the baffled boy of steel rises to his feet, filled with a dread his young mind has never known before. Does this mean my life as Superboy has come to an end? If I can't fly, I can't even get back to Smallville. Mom, Pa will be wondering about me and worrying about my absence. Um, and, uh, later that same day, you see, um, Martha, uh, tending to the garden, uh, and alongside these, uh, prize winning, well, not yet prize winning, but they could be, uh, tomatoes. And she's wondering who was on the phone. And, uh, Jonathan says, uh, now don't get upset, Martha. It was Lana. She's wondering why Clark didn't come to school today. And, um, Martha says, that report about him plugging the volcano in Chile came over the radio earlier this morning. Clark should have flown back to school hours ago. He says, ah, he probably came back across some other emergencies uh, along the way. There's a lot of ground between here and Chile. And, um, and so she says, oh, Jonathan, in spite of those awesome powers, he'll always be our little boy to us. He could still be thousands of miles away and, some, and in some sort of terrible trouble. And, uh, Clark, and Jonathan says, we both knew raising a super son would be tough on us, didn't we? Say, Martha, what does that look like to you up there in the sky? Because I can't see where you're... Oh, yes, I see it, but I can't make out what it is. And we look, and it is uh, Superboy tumbling in. Um, they can't really make it out. They just see the dark shape tumbling over and over. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's heading straight for us. Great Jehoshaphat, it's crashing through the roof, just like Astrolad did a few weeks ago. I uh, remember Superboy 3 and 4. Uh, it's not often that we get uh, a lot of continuity between uh, these stories because, you know, it's it's sort of, they're kind of done, done one and done, uh, but, you know, Carrie Bates does seem to sort of work in the odd mention of a story before, just so we get the idea that this is sort of an ongoing um, story in time. Uh right. So yes, he they get they get inside and there's Clark uh in his Superboy costume, uh has crashed through the roof, uh is in the top floor and seems unconscious. Uh, an agonizing hour later, he says, and after roaming the Chilean countryside for a while, my powers mysteriously returned as suddenly as they'd vanished. So I didn't waste any time flying home. Only to be hit by another power failure when I was coming in for a landing. And so they say, well, you sure gave us a jolt and ask how he feels. And then he hovers above his bed and says, no pain, man. As you can see, I'm my old super self again, at least for the time being. Um, 
funny, isn't it? How we were talking this morning about the possibility of my powers fading away. I guess I haven't been been eating enough to satisfy my super metabolism. Well, so that's going to be it. That's going to be changed. And um, so Martha comes up and she's like, you know, hey, we're going to feed this boy. She said, uh, homemade tomato soup, but tomatoes from my garden, naturally. And I'll be expecting you to ask for seconds. After all, a super boy should have a super appetite. Um, and so Clark starts writing in his uh, in his diary. And he says, uh, and, and it says, and even though I haven't felt another power loss in the past several hours, there can be no mistaking the after effect. I'm gradually becoming less super. As bleak as the logical conclusion is, I must face up to it. At this rate, my hours as a superboy may be numbered, or are, are numbered. By tomorrow night, and every night for the rest of my life, I may be ordinary Clark Kent. And that finishes another entry in my diary. That's ah, a, a bleak book you're writing, my friend. Uh, meanwhile, in the other room, Jonathan and Martha are kind of worried. And she says, it's just, and he says, it's just not fair, Martha. I mean, if Clark's right and he's losing his powers, then our grooming and training so he could watch over the world as a mighty Superman one day, has it all been for nothing? And uh, she says, if it's God's will, Jonathan. And then um, you get a view of the darkened house and uh, there's a, a UFO for lack of a better word, but it's definitely flying saucery, uh, standing up above or hovering above the, their house. And, uh, and you, you see a ding dong, ding dong. Someone's ringing the doorbell. So Jonathan goes to the door and there's Lana Lang in, uh, you know, she put on a trench, an overcoat. And, uh, and Jonathan says, Lana, what brings you out late? So late tonight? And she says, would you believe a, a UFO, Mr. Kent? Well, there's one floating above your roof. I woke up thirsty and went to the kitchen for a drink when I saw this weird light overhead. And, uh, and she said, then I looked up and saw that coming down over your house. And uh, Jonathan says, land of Goshen. Wow. Um, it must be an alien spacecraft. But out of the hundreds of houses in Smallville, why choose ours? And he thinks to himself, could it be because an alien boy lives here? Maybe. Um... And Claire comes down and says, so what's going on down here? And uh, not not down here, up above, is it an identified flying object hovering over our house? And uh, he asks where where Martha is. And uh, she says, come into the kitchen. I want, to sh I want you to see something. And so in they go. And sure enough, it's her, her, um, her tomato plants are being um, zapped by this thing. And it's a beam shining down in my garden. Just be thankful the spaceship is zapping it and not us, Martha. And I say, and then it takes off. And I say, it did its, it's, did its dirty work and took off. And I figured, where's it headed for? Who's it going to attack next? And Clark thinks it's up to Superboy to find out. He's kind of fidgeting, and they say, oh, maybe he's uh, trying to come up with an excuse to slip away from Lana. Gosh, I better notify the police about this. I'll give uh, Chief Parker a call, right? Well, that's odd. And he says that his phone isn't working, and that's okay, Lana says. The phone at my house is working. I'll go call the chief myself, and away she goes. And um, and uh, <laughs> in case you weren't sure what was happening there, Clark says, good thinking, Pa. My super hearing told me our phone was working perfectly, but your deadline routine was a stroke of genius. I, I was trying to think of a way to get myself out of the room. It never occurred to me to trick Lana into leaving. 
And so off he flies into the sky. He says, I'll begin with a wide-angle sweep of the sky over Smallville, but I better be careful. For all I know, the, these aliens might have something to do with my recent power losses. And uh, they look back uh, at the Kent Yard, and it seems like the tomatoes are all shriveled up, but the other vegetables have been left alone. He says, what do you suppose it means, Jonathan? He said, beats me. Am I mistaken? Or is there a strange glow coming from the tomatoes? And she says, glow or no glow, they're all ruined. Eh. I don't know. I'm going to say this. Maybe these are ruined with the glow. You know, let's let's look at it that way. Definitely ruined with the glow. Um, you know, that's a, that's the point at which I'd say, eh, maybe tomatoes. Uh, I will hold the tomatoes, as it were. So um, we go back to. Uh, um, so so they go back inside and. Um, and Jonathan says, thank goodness they're intact. Now maybe I can figure out what it is about them that would cause those spacemen to destroy your tomato patch. This, this is uh, the thing about Smallville is they were always sort of, uh, shall we say, um, smaller stakes. Uh, anyway. Um, oh, no. So what she had said was that the glow or no glow, they ruined. I wonder if the ones I put in the refrigerator this morning are still edible. And that's the ones that Jonathan checked and everything seemed fine. So she says, I wonder if Superboy's caught up with the UFO yet. And uh, he says, my X-ray vision is being blocked off, which means lead is one of the components of the spaceship's hull. Ah, take a drink. And superhearing reveals nothing. I guess the aliens communicate silently via telepathy. And uh, he says, I'm keeping tabs on this UFO until I find out the reason behind that beam blast of Ma's garden. My powers keep fading. This may turn out to be my last job as Superboy. I think so. I think he's going to be okay, folks, in case you're, in case you're worried. Um, says, so I better make it a good, and he's like, great, Krypton, they're be beaming again. At least they picked an un unpopulated area this time. And he says, the attack doesn't seem to be doing any visible damage. There could be a harmful delayed reaction. And uh, he says, I'm through following in their wake. I want some direct answers from these other worlders. It's time for me to knock on their door or through it. And, uh, he goes to hit them and he gets, and he gets kind of bounced off and, uh, the aliens, uh, the speech bubble comes from them. It says, contact, our mega, our mega burst uh, defense aura successfully repelled the alien interloper. But at high cost, the alien was so powerful, he depleted our entire mega charge. If he attacks again, we will be vulnerable. And he lands on the ground. In, you know, he lands hard. Uh, you know, little cracks in the ground the whole bit. They say, well, we must seize this moment to speed away so we can successfully uh, complete our mission on this planet leaving Superboy to wonder what hit him. Um, so hours later, he makes his way back to the Kent home, and he actually walked back. Um, uh, Martha's sitting there. She says, thanks heavens, you're back. I've been waiting up all night for you. Did you run into any difficulties? He says, run into? I sure did, Ma. And to make matters worse, my superpowers conked out on me again. I just got them back a little while ago. And so he tells them his, the story of what happened, and uh, she says, well, now that you're here, maybe you can get together with Pa. He's been puttering around with the tomato ever since you left. And he says, I thought I heard your voice, son. Uh, come into the den. I've got something surprising to show you. And they go in. There's one of the tomatoes glowing in the dark. He says, a, a tomato glowing in the dark like an infrared bulb? How can that be? He says, look at it more closely with your X-ray vision. And so he does, and he says... I see what you mean. There's a crystal and spore in the center of the tomato, an alien seed from another solar system. He says, how can you be so sure, son? 
that the spore isn't earthly. And he says, because unlike earth plants, the spore doesn't absorb yellow rays from our sun, but red rays from a distant red star sun. Uh, Superboy derives, of course, a little uh, little lesson in superpowers. Superboy derives most of his extraordinary powers from the energizing rays of Earth's yellow sun. In marked contrast to the rays of a red sun, which nurtured Superboy's home planet, Krypton. Under the influence of red solar rays, the Teen of Steel's power is negated and he becomes non-super. Hey, just as an aside, as we were looking through one of the bins at the convention the other day, um, uh, Ella had pointed out to me, she said about, you know, Superman and the Red Sun, and what would he do if it had turned out to be a problem under a Red Sun? Now, I'm sure there were stories about this, about exactly that subject, because I can't believe that it took a seven-year-old to come up with that idea um after years and years of of silver age comic goodness i'm sure there's a couple of stories and so if anyone can remember them and uh and send some details along that would be very cool all right so um he says uh so that basically he said by jonathan says by eating those tomatoes you subjected your body to red solar radiation clark says which sapped my superpowers after the radiation worked its way through my system i regained my powers come on pa let's tell ma so they go and tell her, and she promptly throws out the rest of the tomatoes. And he says, well, somehow the alien spores adhere to your tomato seeds after you planted them in the garden. And uh, Jonathan points out that the reds, the radiation didn't affect us because we're not Kryptonian. And Martha says, in a way, I'm to blame for what happened. If I hadn't insisted on Clark eating more, he wouldn't have been exposed to the tomatoes. And uh, Jonathan says, oh, he only did what was right, Martha. Don't you agree, son? Clark? Clark? But there's no answer because Superboy is off on a hunt for a UFO that has, has to be identified. And so he sees it once again, and it's blasting away at another uh, of Earth's farmlands, destroying certain crops. Uh, he said, by blasting Ma's tomatoes, they save my powers, maybe be my life. So why did they stop me from entering their ship? I've got to make another attempt at contacting them. And, uh, and so, of course, that, that he does. Uh, so now we we kind of get the uh, the cover taken off off to us. Uh, he says, "Now they're shooting energy bursts to drive me away." Well, this time I'm prepared to take protective measures. And he grabs his cape and uh, and basically bounces the the uh, the blast off it. And uh, they say the alien is warding off our explosive megaspheres with an indestructible shield. The megaspheres were our last line of defense. And now they've become the alien's offense. He's utilizing our last megasphere to, de to deflect it back at us, tearing our hull asunder. He will make a forced entry into our ship. We have no choice now but to tell him all. And uh, so he gets on there, and, and we don't know what happens. Uh, we later see him at the Kent um, dinner table, and he says... Um, Six hours passed before we joined the Teen of Steel again during the dinner hour at the Kent house. And he said, so naturally, I was primed for a fight when I crashed through their hall, but I couldn't have been more wrong. The aliens weren't invaders at all. They were interplanetary farmers. Farmers, say the Kents. And he goes, that's right. Some time ago, one of their cargo vessels made a brief stop on Earth to make repairs. It was discovered later that in taking off, one of the storage bins sprang a small leak. And uh, Jonathan said, let me gather, guess the rest. When the cargo ship flew off, a large number of alien spores leaked out into the atmosphere, and high winds did the rest, spreading the seeds over a large area, including the sprouts in my garden, says Martha. And Clark says, right again. 
Knowing those spores were meant to germinate under a red sun, the aliens were concerned about the possible dangerous side effects from our yellow sun. Using advanced sensors, their mission was to, here was to track down all those spores and destroy them. Using a special beam that was harmless to Earth life. So I, so I offered my help, using my super senses to locate and dispose of every last spore. <clears throat> and soon, um, Jonathan, uh, they've finished dinner, and he's, Jonathan says, Ah, delicious dinner, dear. Now I have some tools to put away in the garage. Be right back. And uh, Clark says, Take your time, Pa. I'll give Ma a super speed assist with the dishes. Um, so Jonathan goes into the other room, and... Uh, and this, to me, is 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 really key because um, this kind of leads into one of my favorite stories um, uh, from from this, uh, the the uh, you know silver slash bronze slash um, pre crisis age of uh, Superman. Uh, so Clark gets in there and he sees two aliens uh, standing there, glowing in the dark, and they say, "There's no cause for alarm, Jonathan Kent. We meant you no harm, or we mean you no harm." On the contrary, they say we are here to bestow a gift. We made the same offer to your son, but he explained that he never accepted rewards, rewards for good deeds. Um, he says, we have tele telepathically probed your mind and learned all about you, about the great care you have taken to raise your adopted super son, preparing him for the duties he will face one day as a superman. Our probe also revealed your fondest desire, a hope known only to your subconscious mind at this time, Fulfilling this hope would be deemed utterly impossible by your most brilliant and far-thinking scientists, but not by us. So advanced is our technology beyond yours, you would consider our scientific achievements sheer magic. Hear us, Jonathan Kent. One day soon we shall return to Earth to make your impossible dream come true. And moments later, they've uh, after they've bid their farewells, he says, Whew, what a strange feeling to say thank you without any inkling of what the thanks are for. I wonder what this subconscious wish of mine could possibly be. All, the, all they'd say was that it would so, somehow involve Clark. Oh, well, he says. No sense thinking about it now. As the old saying goes, only time will tell. And we get the little asterisk there. And an editor's notes, yes. Issue 507 of Action Comics, on sale now, which reveals how the impossible comes true when Superman is confronted with the miraculous return of Jonathan Kent. I'm not going to get into that story now because it's a it's a it's a two parter and kind of a little longer and uh, and is worth covering uh, later on. And, and quite honestly, I'd like to have some others on the line with me when I do it. Uh, so, yeah, issue 507 and 508 were this miraculous return of Jonathan Kent. So we had two issues where Jonathan Kent shows up in Metropolis to see Superman. But he's been dead for many years, you say. That's right. But uh, they make it happen. And uh, and certainly to me, it planted the seeds for what would later Later happened when um, when Byrne took over Superman. To me, one of the best things he did was actually to leave the Kents alive. So they were a, sort of a constant sounding board for uh, for Clark. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, that was definitely a good device. And uh, and and we so we got uh, Jonathan Kent for many years um, as as an additional advisor to Superman. Um, so there we have it. That is Superboy Five in a nutshell in a tomato skin, however you want to look at it. And um, so I'm going to wrap this one up. So, oh, oh, wait, no, not quite yet. Because at this same point in time, Firestorm joined the Justice League. 
um, the, in the Daily Planet uh, that comes in uh, that comes with these, uh, they they show the headline of Firestorm joining the JLA. Uh, this was, of course, during the Jenny Conway Dick Dillon era of uh, Justice League. In in fact, it was Justice League one seventy nine, and um, uh, so yes, yeah, so Firestorm uh, joined the uh, the Justice League. That well, was kind of a big deal, you know, expanding those ranks and bringing in one of the sort of modern uh, superheroes for the time. Uh, to make that happen. Um, anyway, so there we have it. Uh, all right, so comments, as always, are welcome to Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. You can join in the conversation on our Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. We are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all these things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble. We'll be back next week, uh, full strength, uh, ready to get into a um, another uh, Legion issue and uh, possibly playing some catch-up there as well. But that's a whole other story. And we will see you all next week. <laughs>